Welcome to Adorama Voice, a voice for creators. I'm your host, Daniel Norton. This week, I'm going to talk a little bit about the idea of heavy research versus flashes of inspiration, kind of the idea of how do we get inspired? How do we get going in our art? What works for us? And can we take something from, we'll call it the other camp, <laughs> to make our work better? And we're also going to talk a little bit about AI, and I've got a great review. This is loosely connected to an email that Mark sent. Thanks, Mark. Uh, where I talked about it last week where he was talking about style. I'm not really going to talk so much about style here as more technique and moving forward commercially because there is a part of his email that I didn't read, which I'm going to just touch on here. It, this isn't an exact answer to you, Mark, but it's in that vein. And I may come back to this when we talk about style a little bit more, but I think I want to get a little more nuts and bolts this week. So Mark says uh, commercial work, something they would like to do more. Are you implementing your own vision or the clients? Like, How does that work? How do you keep it going? Uh, how do you keep your your vision going, your your motivation going to create? I, I'm assuming what he means here is based on the idea of like, if you're just doing somebody else's work, how do you stay inspired to continue to do it? So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but not just client work, kind of work in general. So let me start off by breaking this down into two categories. You know, there's, there's always two kinds of people, right? <laughs> I mean, most people are going to have a mix of these traits, but when you're talking about being inspired to create. And we're talking about photography, of course, but we're also talking about writing or creating in any other way. I think some forms of creation, like let's say filmmaking, <laughs> you know, especially the actually physical act of it, is hard to do on a flash, uh, but parts of it you can. And first we'll talk about the heavy research, which falls into a category that I am not the most proficient in. This is not the way that I normally operate. And so I think it's really interesting, but I've had friends, I know people that work like this. So let's talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to get into the people that kind of work on the fly, flash of inspiration people. So for the researchers, inspiration comes not really as a flash, but more like a desire to know more about. So you might start looking at or have the idea that, oh, you know, I really like the color palettes that are used in these certain parts of the world for their paintings or their buildings or their their clothing. And that may inspire you as a photographer to start thinking in those color palettes. Like, well, I never really worked with those kind of, you know, colors or that idea or the combinations of things. So what you start doing there, you start doing research. You're looking into the types of things that, that are connected to that. So first you're looking maybe at lots of images or paintings or architecture of those parts of the world. Then maybe you're looking at the culture in general and, and the climate and what may have brought those things. Like why, did this culture uh, move into these you know, bright colors or drab colors or whatever it might be, or certain styles or fabrics that they're using? Why did they build houses this way? Why did they decorate in this way? You know, Did they spend a lot of their time inside? Was there a lot of time outside? Were they agricultural type people You know, in the past? I think a lot of the world now has kind of <laughs> been a big mix of everything, but you know, we're looking at things that inspired as we move forward. So we're looking at these things and we're researching it. We're, we're going on the internet, maybe we're reading books, we're watching videos and stuff, and we're making notes where, and these notes might just be in your head, but a lot of times we're doing, let's say, Pinterest boards, or we're making bullet points, or we're going out and doing little uh, experiments ourselves with color, and this helps us to kind of get into the mindset of the things that we're enjoying, the things that we're looking at, and we're like, oh, you know, I really like these things, so let me get more and more knowledge. We're going to immerse ourselves in that, and from that, what we get is a finished product. At some point, 
we realize, okay, I know all these things about this culture or this type of architecture or this color palette. Now I'm going to start to use it in my work. And you might use it in a piece related to that, or it might be something you just incorporate into your work in general, depending on the kind of work you do. So you might go somewhere now, let's say that you're a musician, let's say you're the Beatles. <laughs> and you know, there was, I'm not a Beatles historian, so maybe people can correct me, but there were time periods where they got interested in various types of music and they went to different countries and met with different people and incorporated some of that uh, knowledge that they absorbed from people into their work. They didn't necessarily make that music, but they used that music as inspiration for their own. And this is what we can do. This is what, you know, traveling, meeting new people, interacting with people uh, really helps us to kind of build up our stocks of ideas. And we're doing it over time. It's a slower process. This is, can also be related to commercial in the sense that somebody approaches you and they say, hey, we want to do an advertisement for this type of new sparkling water and we want you to pitch some ideas of what you think. We're thinking this is the audience we're going after. You know, this is the, de the demographic. This is kind of our, our budget. Although that's always tough. You know, but this is kind of what we're looking for. And then you might start looking at, well, first of all, the most obvious places, other sparkling water things. They might say, well, our demographic likes to go mountain climbing. So then you start looking at the mountain climbing. What's the ideas behind here? What's the, the looks and the styles? And all these things start to be brought together into what could finally be an artboard that could be created into a final image. And you're just kind of working. You're, you're digging, you're researching, you're pulling it out. And this allows you to create something a little bit more stable, we'll call it. And I had a, a good friend that I shared a studio with in Miami when I was down there. He was a product photographer. And he was this kind of person. He would think, you know what, I want to work for this type of client. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to research. And again, when I say client for him, he was an advertising photographer. He was looking at advertising agencies. So he'd say, I want to work for this advertising agency. So he'd read, you know, advertising journals. He would look at the ads they produced. He'd look at their clients, the types of clients they had. A lot of times the types of clients he thought they might go after. And what he would do is he would make notes and he would start doing test shoots around ideas based on what he thought that that advertising agency might like. Because he's looking, he's like, oh, you know, I noticed that this art director, art directed, you know, these seven, you know, advertising campaigns that I really like. And I noticed that in every one of them, they're on location somewhere using a lot of natural light. So then he's going to start creating more images of natural light in that style, not necessarily copying it, but getting the language that he believes that art director likes this, this style so that when he brings his work to them, they see something in it that they like. So he's researching, he's digging into it. He's not just saying, I want to go out and shoot with a lot of natural light. He's saying, I'm going to go out and shoot with natural light because this type of client likes it. And this is the client that I want. And this is very uh, focused. And it's something that a lot of commercial photographers do. And this is not, it's not easy, right? Because there's a lot of research. The thing that we usually love when we're creating is the actual process of creating, right? So this whole research and stuff isn't for everyone. Some people strive on it, though. They love to look at other work. They love to figure it out. And if you're that kind of person, then this type of creator is probably where you are, the planner, the researcher. On the other end of the spectrum, you have the flash of inspiration person, the person that walks into a situation with next to nothing and looks and says, oh, there's a really cool wall over there that's got an awesome texture and color that looks interesting against the clothes that you just happen to be wearing, portrait subject. Oh, and there's some light coming in from over here. All right, I'm going to use all that. And I'm going to modify it slightly here to make it more fit my style. And then I'm going to create something from that. And you're relying when you're this type of creator 
on that flash of inspiration to come every single time. This can be less burdensome in, you know, when you're planning for a shoot, because it's like, oh, I have a portrait shoot Thursday. I'm just going to throw my cameras in my bag and I'll figure it out. But more so on set, right? Because you're not walking in with a plan. You don't have any diagrams drawn up. You don't necessarily have everything with you. You're hoping that the connection. So the idea here would be like, there's a, a story from Harry Chapman, a singer songwriter. He was traveling and he saw a review in the New York Times of a singer. Uh, and he created a song, Mr. Tanner, around that. And it was just, he wasn't looking for it. He wasn't thinking about creating that kind of a song, but he saw that review and all of a sudden in his head, boom, he saw this story. How real a story is? Probably not at all, right? But the idea is that from those words, he was able to create that song. So what we can do as a flash of inspiration creator is we're great at moving on the fly. We're good at, this is the move that I fall more into this category usually. This is when I would develop models for all the different agencies. I would show up with, you know, the nothing, no plan, except for the fact that, because I didn't even know what model I was going to work with that day. I'd look at them. I'd figure out what we had as far as styling for them that could work. And then we would just go out and we'd walk around and look for something. I'd be like, ah, the sun is great over here. Let's go over here. This can be taxing and very tiring on the day of the shoot. Oftentimes when I'm out shooting like this, I'm exhausted at the end. A, an example of this might be if you watch my live streams for Adorama. I go in with a basic premise. Obviously, I've been doing this a long time, so I kind of know what works. But I never have a preconceived image that I'm going to create. And I can work with the audience as they're, uh, you know, if you're watching online, you can type messages in the chat and stuff. I can change things. I can answer questions. I can make the shoot progress in a way that was very organic from the beginning. I don't pre-decide the shots. I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I make some decisions because I have some equipment set up because it's a live stream and I can't wait around. But sometimes I use it all. Sometimes I don't use much of it all. Sometimes I grab something off the set that I didn't originally have. And this is because I'm working with what I see, what I want to do on the spot. And one reason why I work like that is because I want to be able to create fresh new things. And I'm doing these all the time. I was, I've spoken at many conferences and I'm in contact with many photographers that speak at them. A lot of times they'll like make a demonstration and they'll do it over and over again at their studio and they'll try all the different stuff and they'll try it in different locations and they'll write a script for it and they'll have everything really and they'll use the same model every time because that's how they work and there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually a great way to really show fine detail and nail it down because you know you're going to nail the shot anyways. You're not working on the fly. You can create something a lot more refined. So not saying one's better than the other. I'm saying that I fall generally into the other category, which leads us to commercial photography. Because for a long time, I did fashion catalog and advertising, and that works in some ways counter to my nature of just creating what I see in front of me. Because when you're creating a catalog, there are definitely different standards. If I'm shooting an editorial for a magazine, as long as the images are really super cool, and show the, the outfit in some level, most magazines are cool with that. I mean, obviously, they need to be within the range of the magazine. But when it's a catalog, you've got to show the texture. You've got to show all the different details. Oh, that one has a pocket. This one doesn't have a pocket. This one has this extra, you know, part that goes over the shoulder. you got to show all that. All that is super important. You've got to plan it out. You have to do it systematically. Things need to be consistent. So you need to have lighting that's going to work with a lot of different items that you're working with. So you got to think about that. You can't have things all over the place where shots look like they were shot in I mean, and I've seen catalogs like that, but a good catalog, everything ties together. You can look and say, oh yeah, that's such and such catalog. It feels a certain way. And that's because 
Obviously, you're also working, this goes back to Mark's question a little bit, you're working with art directors. You're working within their vision. But the thing is, and I learned this early on as a photo assistant talking to art directors, was when you looked at photographers' books that did these seemingly kind of bland catalogs, their books were full of crazy, awesome images. And sometimes I would be like, wow, how come you don't let them shoot something like that? And it's exactly that reason. They need the consistency. It wouldn't make sense for them to do a crazy, funky shot. But they still want somebody that has that artistic capability inside of them because sometimes there might be a chance to shoot something extra that could be used for something else. And you want to always consider that, especially as a photographer, because you know if they were hired you for the catalog, but then they want to use that image for the advertising and it's not in the contract, then you're going to get more money and you're already there. You know, So basically, this is something we want to tag on. It's like when you go to shoot for a magazine, you want to make sure you shoot enough double page spreads, even though they don't send you for that. Because if it's the right image and they use the double page spread, that's going to be good for you, both your pocket, you know, your money, and also, you know, it's cool to have a double page spread. Okay, so on the negative side, the researcher's work can sometimes seem overdone and maybe even lack a little bit of like fire because by the time you get to the set, you already know what you're going to do. It's just a process of doing it. And that's not to say that it's not challenging, but sometimes you don't get that full desire. And you see images like this, they look real crisp and perfect and every detail is there and fine, but there's a little bit of emotion that's just not there. On the other end, if you are the work on the fly person, you might get to a set and be like, oh, I have an idea. If you only had a blue shirt and then the model's like, oh, I had a blue shirt and I almost took it today, but she didn't tell me I wanted to bring a blue shirt. And you don't have the blue shirt, the shot's not amazing because you weren't thinking ahead, you weren't planning ahead. So sometimes you're making a lot of compromises. This can create images that are oftentimes dynamic and interesting, but sometimes not fully fleshed out, not as perfect. And sometimes they look that way, kind of raw and imperfect. And again, this might be fine, this might be your style. I'm not saying one is better or worse than the other, but let's see if we can think about how we can incorporate both styles to make us stronger in the one that we you know, lean towards. So if we are more of a flash of inspiration photographer and we don't do a lot of research and stuff, then the way that we can research is by doing lots and lots of testing and trying. Basically creating our own palette, our own memory, our own history of things that we know works so that when we are in a situation, we will be able to pull something out even if we don't have the inspiration immediately because sometimes it takes a little bit to get going so we know okay i'm going to come to this location we know that we have this model we know that we have this equipment so the first shot i'm going to go is going to be real standard i kind of know that i've done the shot a bunch of times before we'll work it and then we'll from that it'll give us the energy to move on to do the next thing this is why i tell people when i do portraits and stuff even if i have a really cool funky idea i always start off with something more or less clean because you want the client to see a finished professional image and then they're more willing to take that risk when you say, I have an idea. So again, we don't need to immerse ourselves in other people's work. We don't need to read lots of books. We don't need to do a lot of studying. But we need to just try things. Put ourselves in different situations that are challenging, but without the burden of a job. So I'm going to go out with my friend who's a model as opposed to a model who's hiring me. Or my friend who's an actor. Or I'm going to buy some product from the store and just photograph it. Or some food that I made on my own not clients, and just try things. This is going to be our research. Research by doing research, by grabbing that inspiration, research by getting that fire, because then we can reach back to our experience and use it. 
for the researcher that wants to be better on their feet, the same thing. What you need to do is say, you know what? I'm going to set up a shoot on Wednesday with my friend and we're just going to go out to the park and shoot and I'm going to just bring what I can carry in my bag and I will get a shot. I will get something. I will make it work. I remember when I was living in Miami and I was working a lot. I just kind of broke out of being a photo assistant and I had worked for a lot of like high-end advertising photographers who brought tons and tons and tons of gear with them and I didn't have that kind of equipment. So at first it was a little bit, in fact, I saw other assistants that worked with me with those photographers that kind of almost refused to start shooting because they were like, well, I need more gear. But I was like, no, 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 I'm ready to shoot. So I was just looking around, you know, because I'm, I'm this combination, right? I'm like this, like I get the inspiration on the spot, but I also felt like tied down to, oh, I need to prep. I need to prep. And I found a couple of photographers I really liked. They were art photographers. They used a lot of natural light, which I wasn't really using weirdly because I lived in Miami, but I was using flash outside and basically looked at their work, reached out to them, started talking to them. And many times they just said exactly that. Oh, I just take a model. We walk around and we get something. We don't get something. And I thought, well, that's really, really interesting. I'm going to teach myself to be better with natural light by not bringing my flashes with me. And I'm going to just rely on that inspiration, but I'm going to do it with people who are okay with the fact that we may or may not get something. So either somebody I'm going to pay or somebody who I work with a lot and it's like, hey, I'll do your headshots on Tuesday if you go out with me on Wednesday and we just shoot something. And this allowed me to get better and more nimble. And of course, it kind of almost pushed me even further in that way. And I'm much more like that now because I didn't, I unburdened myself from relying on the planning and then reburdened myself with relying on the inspiration to kind of force myself to see if I could make it happen. Now, in an ideal world, we really want both things, right? We want to plan enough that we feel comfortable and that the client knows what they're going to get. But we want to leave ourselves open to inspiration. We don't want to be so fixed on the idea that we can't change, especially if we're not shooting something that is strictly commercial. That is, an art director's got a layout and you're shooting right to it and that's what you need to create. And even when you're doing that work, what you want to do is create what they're asking for and then make some variations, have some input that's your own creation on the spot. Just do it after you get the main job done. This way we can have the best of both worlds in a commercial sense. In an ideal world, we're being hired because people love our vision, not because we're the cheapest or because we're available or the only photographer in town. So clients will be open to us messing around and trying things and experimenting as long as they got what they wanted first. And, you know, a lot of times, especially for me, especially with small magazine jobs I did at the beginning, they wanted me to come up with the whole thing from the start to finish. It was like, we want you to shoot this editorial with this designer, come up with an idea and bring it to us. And that's very empowering, but that's not most jobs. Most jobs, they've got a plan. They want to know that they're going to get the thing that they need, but then they're open. I can't tell you the number of times that I shot, as I mentioned before, catalogs. And at the end, I was like, you know, we have all this stuff here. Why don't we try to create an advertisement? And we had time. It was only a little bit extra film that I would charge them for, you know, or digital. And once we get to the to that point, it didn't cost me anything. Then I would shoot them. And next thing you know, I'm getting a, another little hefty chunk in my check from ads that are running. So we want to be able to produce on the fly for those situations. Don't just do the job and walk out. But we also want to be able to be consistent and we want to be able to give the client what they want. We want to be able to propose ideas when a client says to you, okay, we want you to shoot this advertising and these are our things for this new sparkling water. You're going to need to 
look online and when you do some of your research and say, okay, well, here's some pictures of mountains, here's some pictures of hikers, here's some people drinking water. This is my idea. I want to kind of put these things together. And then that way they can say, okay, yeah, we like that. A few other things that have worked for me, this is maybe more specialized, but if you are a portrait or a fashion photographer and you are more of the work on the fly person, take opportunities when you see them to pick up things that can be used as inspirational tie-ins, like accessories, things for the hair, earrings and stuff that are cheap that you can get rid of or give to the client after they wear them, some cheap jewelry, look for sales, extra clothes you can buy at the end of the season, just keep them on hand, you know, basic things that won't go out as fashion so quickly. Have some of these things around so that when you're like, oh man, this would have been great if there was a blue shirt. Hold on, I have a blue shirt. You're not planning it the way the researcher is saying this blue shirt for this shot, but you're saying, I like this blue shirt, I'll use it at some point. That can be super, super useful. And no matter what you do, what types of inspiration you draw from, whatever your baseline is here, remember that you've got to be true to yourself. If you're not doing the stuff that you want to do in the way that you want to do it, it'll be hard to sustain it. Because making it in a more of a commercial sense as an artist is very difficult. So we don't want to, if we are a flash of inspiration person and it is torturous for us to research, we don't want to go after things that need a lot of research. We want to look for stuff that's more available. Maybe we're going to do event photography where we don't have to plan as much. Maybe we're going to shoot, you know, on-the-fly portraits where we don't have to plan as much or journalism, right? Where we're kind of planning a bit, but not so much where we have to have everything figured out. If you are more meticulous and you like to have everything mapped out, maybe you want to shoot things that are more controlled, do more studio photography. And again, I'm talking mostly photography here. Do things that you have a lot more control over because you'll feel more comfortable there. Be open to all things, but be true to yourself. One of the best ways you can support a small podcast like this is to give it a rating and review. So if you haven't rated the podcast yet, please rate it, five stars, and leave a review. And I like to read one every week, so here's one from Nikki. This one's on Audible. By the way, uh, I may not have said this before, but the podcast is now available on Audible and Amazon Music. So if you listen on a device or something like that and it's easier for you, that's a great way for you to catch the podcast. And this review's a little bit older. I guess I didn't realize there was reviews over there. So anyways, let's do it. Great podcast. This podcast is wonderful for all types of creatives, not just photographers. Daniel discusses the philosophy of being a creator in an engaging way. I like how he gives other people a little voice with a call-in feature. If you're interested in having thoughtful discussions about what it means to create in today's media-saturated landscape, this is the podcast for you. Give it a listen and then give Daniel a call. Yes, please do give me a call. I really like when you guys call in or send me an email. You can send an email to adoramavoice at gmail.com. You can either attach a voice file and I will play it, or of course I will just read the email and respond like I'm going to do to this one from Mark. Thanks, Mark, for sending so many great emails and ideas. I, I didn't. I was actually just about to record this one. This one popped in, so I just quickly looked at it. And the general topic, and I may come back to it, is uh, AI and things replacing photography effectively. And, you know, he mentions the the idea of like, oh, when Kindle comes, there'll be no books. And of course, there's still physical books. I think that photography will be around for a long time. And the reason why I think that is because when you, well, first of all, the AI needs something to tap into. And I get that there's a lot of photos out there already, but times change, looks change. There are things that will always need photos. Do we always need another shot of a, of a skyscape? or the clouds, or the desert? Not necessarily, but I'm not sure that a computer could create something that's as interesting to look at over the long term. I think short term, when we're looking at these things, we're like, wow, that's amazing. But really, you know, it's just not the same. 
for most of us, I think. Also, there's the act of creating. And photography is very empowering because it allows someone who often says, and by the way, this is possibly a topic for another podcast, but I'm not an artist, to be able to create. It's kind of the great equalizer of the arts. Almost everybody's got some way to make photos these days, whether it be a cell phone or some kind of inexpensive camera or your computer being able to make photos or obviously expensive cameras too. But my point being is that it's very accessible and it allows people to be creative in a way that I think they can do without really overthinking it, which probably ties in really nicely to this podcast today. So there you go. Uh, I'll look at these videos that you sent, Mark, and if the AI thing seems interesting and if people want to hear more about my thoughts on that, uh, go ahead and call in or leave me a message on the Anchor app and we can discuss AI and the future of photography in that sense for sure. Adorama supports this podcast and you can support them by going to adorama.com and picking up any of your photo, video, computer, audio type needs. Also check out adorama.com slash create no matter what for great contests every month. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks Mark for the emails and Nikki for the review. If you'd like to have your voice on the air, go ahead and leave me a message using the Anchor app. There is a link in the show notes. You could also record a voice file and email it to me, adoramavoice at gmail.com. Or you could just type something out and I will read it all or in part, depending on what it is and what you want me to do. In any case, I'll talk to you soon.